So we've been in a series called Life of Abundance. I believe we're in the sixth part. Uh, let's go ahead and look at John 10, verse 10. John 10, verse 10. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So we know that is referring to Satan, to the enemy. It is not God that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If it's stealing, if it's killing or destroying, it is not him. And we, we spent some time there. We need to sew that up in our thinking, because if there's destruction, you may have thoughts, depending on your background, depending on what you heard before, you will definitely hear in the world, um, or, or, or Christians that, that, that aren't as familiar with certain things in the Bible, that it's God that's doing the destroying. And God is not the one that's doing the destroying. It is not His will to destroy. It is the enemy that came to steal and kill and destroy. God, on the other hand, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now we read this um, in several translations. In the New Living Translation, it says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. In the God's Word translation, it says, I came so that my sheep will have life and so that they will have everything they need. We spent some time on that last week. I encourage you to go back and listen to that message if you haven't. We have what we need now to go forward. You have what you need to get to the next step to get to the next step, to get to the next step. You may say, yeah, but I need such and such. You have in your hand right now, in your heart, through the Word, through the Spirit, God has given you what you need to take the step that will get you to where you need to go. If you didn't hear that message, go back and listen to it. God, we should never have this mentality that, well, I just, yeah, I could do such and such, but I just don't have. That's that is a victim mentality. That is a mentality that somehow God has failed us at the bottom line. That's what it is. I would, but, you know, I just don't, so I can't. And that, and it, it, God is always uh, more than enough. So, so many times we think we're waiting for Him, but actually we have what we need, and we just make, take the next step, and then provision and direction and guidance is there. So, uh, go back and listen to that message if you missed that. It will be a blessing to you. John 10.10 in the Amplified Classic says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I came that they may have and enjoy life. Jesus came so that we could actually enjoy life. That's a thought. Revelation to some people. We actually can enjoy life. It's not just, well, just put your head down and just keep trudging until you, it's over. And then you go home, and then we'll have fun in heaven. No. Jesus came so we could have and, and enjoy life now. Have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. More than enough. Now I want to go to verse 11 this morning. We can keep reading. Verse 11. Jesus continued and said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, 
He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my sheep. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I also must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Verse 17, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. You notice several times he said he gives his life for the sheep. Verse 10, verse 11 said, The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Verse 15 says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And then again in verse 17, Because I lay my life down that I may take it up again. Jesus, what I want to touch base with you and uh, focus on today, is that the reason we can have abundant life. He said, I have come that you may have life. The reason we can have that life and the reason we have access to that abundant life is because he laid down his life for us. He gave his life for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So God gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave His only begotten Son. Well, Jesus laid down His life. God gave His Son. What happened? Jesus laid down His life. We saw that in verse, uh, John 10, verse 17 and 18. He said, I lay down my life. I lay it down. Nobody could take it from Him. Nobody could take Jesus' life from him. He proved that over and over. They would try to kill him, and he would just walk right back through the crowd. They tried to push him off the cliff, and they couldn't. They could not do anything with him until he laid his life down. He laid his life down for you and me. Verse, uh, or John 15, verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Greater love has no one, than the, no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus loves us and loved us so much that he laid his life down for us so that we could experience the abundant life that he was referring to in John 10.10. 10. He came so that we could have life. How did he make that possible? He gave his life. And of course, he rose again. But he had to go to the cross. 
He had to do that. And because he did that, we were talking several weeks ago about that. We're justified by faith, by believing that. By believing on him, that's how you have access into this. Well, what I want to focus on this morning is that part. He laid his life down so that we could have that abundant life. It is not something, again, that we, it's up to us to earn. The reason we can, get, can have that abundant life is because he came and he laid his down. It was a life for many lives. And because he gave us access that's the only reason that we can receive and have life to the full. That's the only reason we can have everything we need. It's because God so loved the world that he gave his son and Jesus laid his life down. Ephesians 1 verse 6. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Ephesians 1 verse 6. It says, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He was so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Verse 7 said, he is so rich in kindness and grace, that he purchased our freedom, how? With the blood of his son and forgave our sins. When it says with the blood of his sins, that's his life. If you lose enough of your blood, your life is over. Physically. Right? Because your blood, life is in the blood. It says in another place in the Word. The, the life, Jesus came to lay down his life. He said, no greater love has uh, a man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Well, when he lay down his life, he was shedding his blood. He came to the earth for a purpose, and that was to lay his life down so that then we could tap in to the life. Now, he had to be resurrected. If he just died, then he was just like any other man. But he had to shed his blood. We're going to see many verses. The reason we have access into everything we're talking about in verse 10, John 10, 10, is because he laid his life down. That had to be done. That's the sacrifice. In this day and age, people don't talk about, you know, sacrifices kind of seems like it's archaic. You know, not many people are talking about even just hunting and somebody talking about or showing slaughtering an animal. I mean, most of you... I know I didn't, this week, did not have to, uh, you know, slaughter the animals that you, if you had a steak or, you know, you had a chicken, you didn't have to go in the back and, you know, do whatever you need to do, and we're not going to go into detail. We don't, our culture is not like that. What, people go to the supermarket and they pick up a steak or, you know, even fish. Fish is a little bit different, you can go catch a fish, but most people, even if they have fish, they're going down the supermarket they're getting some salmon or whatever. We don't live like that anymore. We don't talk about that. But uh, in other cultures, even now, uh, they're going to have a big feast. They go out in the back and they kill the animal that they're going to be eating. And I mean, our kids, a lot of kids and, and uh, young people don't even understand, you know, where does steak come from or where does chicken come from? 
We haven't made the connection necessarily that an animal gave its life, or didn't, they didn't on purpose, they, they were, somebody, somebody took the life of the animal, and that's not a bad thing. The Bible says we're going to live on those things in this age, and it, eventually that's all going to go away. But that's where that comes from. We don't talk about those things just even in relation to animals. So when we talk about the blood of Jesus, that's not a common thing. You can say Jesus died, but well, what happened? Jesus went to the cross and his blood was shed for us. That's what it means when we're talking about giving his life. He is the ransom. He was the sacrifice that made it possible. God loved us so much that he actually let his son be slaughtered. Which is not a nice thought to us, but it, it shows the degree of love that God had for us. And the more we get a revelation of that part, the more then, okay, if he did that, him wanting us to have an abundant life, well, how do I know? Look back and look what he did for us to have the abundant life. He gave his son... His blood, his son's blood was shed so that we could have it. He forgave our sins. Look at, look at verse 7 again. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. Do you see that? He is so rich and uh, rich in kindness and grace that he what? That he purchased our freedom with what? With the blood of his son. It's showing how much and how great his, his kindness and grace is because what did he do with He purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. It's a precious and holy thing. Uh, Romans 5 verse 8. I'm going to go ahead and turn over there. Romans 5 verse 8. Romans 5, verse 8. It says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified, how? By His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. So verse 8 says, God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood. So He died. We were justified by, the, by His blood. That blood had to be shed. God, in, in the form of Jesus, it was not just a man. He was a man, and we'll see that it calls Him the man Christ Jesus. He was, came as a man and walked as a man, but He was, he was also God. 
and his blood, that's why he had to be born of a virgin. He wasn't born of a natural man. He was born of a virgin. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she became pregnant. And that child, we just got done with Christmas, that child that came to earth as that baby grew up to give his life, to lay down his life, to shed his blood, that blood was untainted. That blood was pure. That was the only sacrifice that could be made. But God, it says here, God demonstrates his own love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave that sacrifice so that we could tap in to the resurrection. That's the only price. What I want you to get this morning is how big of a price that was. It's emphasized over and over in these scriptures we're going to look at that the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus was so high that he paid that so that you could have life. So whenever, and as we're going through these scriptures, be thinking about this in the background, when we're talking about an abundant life, sometimes we can think, well, does God really, you know, is that for me? I know it's for some people. I, so, I see them walking in some things, but, you know, I, I just don't know if I really qualify. We may not express it that way. Those words may not go through your head or come out your mouth, but it's this, this uh, impression that, yeah, I mean, that's for some people, but I just don't know if I qualify. This is how we qualify. He already shed that blood. This is why when we didn't have anything to offer, God gave Jesus. Jesus laid down his life, gave his life. How did he give his life? I mean, he literally shed his blood, allowed his life to be laid down. He said earlier, Nobody takes it from me. They didn't just kill him because they overcame him. He laid it down for us. And that was at God's command, God's direction. And the reason he did that is so you and I could tap into everything good that he has for us. So it's already paid for. The ultimate price. God loved us so much that he paid that price. And that part's done. That's not your part. That's not my part. Like we cover in another place, our part is to believe that. But the price is paid, and that's what I want to emphasize this morning. That price was the blood of Jesus, and that part is done. We can't add to that. We can't, make, we can't do more to make that happen. God already decided that that is what he was going to do. Jesus cooperated, and that is what gives us access into this abundant life. Colossians 1, verse 12. Colossians 1, verse 12. It says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance in the light. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's how we have access into this inheritance. That's how we have access in, uh, to this redemption is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
There is no other way. There is no other way to come into the family of God. There is, it's, there is, it's not about being good. I'm coming back to this because we need to understand everything that we received from God is based on what Jesus did, and it's believing that part, but I want you to understand the part that made it possible. So we talked about the fact that we believe it. We're justified by faith. But if you believe something that's not true or haven't, hasn't been done, your belief is in vain. That's how we access it, but the part that makes it possible is the payment of, of Jesus' blood for it. That part is done, and you can't add to it. And you, So any kind of thought that somehow I can get there a different way or make it available, is that's false. It's wrong thinking, and it's easy to fall into this. We're not just talking about being saved. Of course, we are talking about that's how you initially have access. But then, as we're Christians, as we're walking out this life, one step at a time, you have situations, you have challenges. You may know you're saved in the sense you're, go, you're, a, new, you're a new creation, you're going to heaven when you, you leave this body. But how about the daily in and out, the fact if we read that God wants us to have abundant life, we have to know the way that was made available was only with what Jesus did. Nothing we did made any of that available. So if we try to add to it, and we're starting to think, gosh, I just don't know if God will do it. God already proved that he would do it because you had nothing to do with him deciding to send his son and Jesus deciding to lay down his life. You were not there. I was not there. That was done. That price, making it available, is already happened. So you can't do any, you can, you can only take yourself away by not believing it, not looking at it, but the part of making it available, has it's a done deal. That's why when people talk about in, in other religions, or talk about just generally about religion, that, well, you know, God... He loves everybody, and of course that's true. We'll read a scripture to that effect. He loves everybody, and we have read scriptures. And, you know, I just don't think he would send anybody to hell, and it's not about that. It's not a, what, it's a legal thing. The price was paid by what Jesus did, the blood, of his, uh, the blood of Jesus being shed, and then we have access into what he already did by believing that. But the price that was paid, the legal transaction, uh, transaction that happened, was the shedding of his blood. That's why when we, the Bible says, he is the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said that about himself, there is no other way, because it's got to go through the blood. That's the payment. It's like when, you know, if you paid to, to get entrance into an event, if there, there's only one way, only a way that you can gain and, and buy a ticket or whatever, you can't, you can't, if you don't have a ticket, you can't get in. And if the security's strong enough, that's it. We're not talking about sideways because... When we're talking about the kingdom of God, there is no side way in. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that is going to, uh, when we believe on it, make us right with God. And it's the only thing that we're going to draw on and believe on to believe that he 
will do everything he said in his word. The, 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 what stands behind that is the fact that he shed his blood. That's the guarantee. Whenever the thought would cross your mind, well, I just don't know if God really loves me. This is what should pop up. Wait a minute. He shed his son's blood for me. That needs to settle it. And we may, our feelings should, see what happens is so many times we have feelings. I just don't feel that God loves me or I just don't see. We have to take the word and the fact that God said he loved us and demonstrated his love by giving Jesus. So that needs, to, that needs to settle it in our minds. The more we just choose to take that at face value, then we can partake of all the abundance he has for us because we know that part's been taken care of. The more we focus on that, it will erase the doubts that maybe he won't come through or maybe he doesn't have a great life for me. Because Jesus, God through Jesus, was demonstrating how much he loved us. And that actual act is what, what uh, makes that life available. It's the payment. It is the, 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 the redemption. It's the payment that makes it so that we could even come in to this abundance. 1 Timothy 2, verse 3. First Timothy two, verse three. It says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, right there we could stop. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God does not want anyone to experience separation from himself. It's not his will. It's not his desire. Verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man, Christ Jesus. Notice that. There is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. It calls Jesus a man. He's God, but he identified with mankind for all eternity. Which, I mean, how you, you say that. You, he did what? I mean, when you see him, when they see him in the New Testament... You know, like in the incident with Thomas, he says, poke your fingers into my scars. And when people have seen him, they're there. That, that you could ask questions about. Well, how? He's identified with us forever. His blood was shed for mankind. He identified with us. We're We're special. We don't know everything that's out in the universe. I mean, we just know what the Word of God tells us. If you go by the Word of God, you don't know that there's any other 
people or anything like that. But we do know this, that the Son of the living God, part of the Trinity, identified with you and me and shed His blood for us. And the Bible says He's not going to go and shed it over and over. So He did that for us. It's a big deal. It's not this small thing that, well, you know, I mean, it was going to get rise up from the dead, so what did it matter? In the, the court of the universe, that payment was made. And you can see in the, the verse we just read, it is God's desire that every man is saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, he paid the ultimate price. It is not God's heart ever to push people away. It is God's heart that we would come and know what has already been paid. That part has been done. It is the biggest price that's been ever paid for anything was paid for you and me. And that is already done. That's the heavy lifting. Not what you experience and have, you know, on this earth, like monetarily, or even health for your body. Those have all been taken care of, but the heavy lifting was done when Jesus shed his blood, took those stripes. That's been done. So to question whether he'll just come through with you for you on something in your natural life is not understanding how great a price has already been paid. That's like, you know, somebody has put a million dollars in your account already, and you're wondering, you know, would they want me to have $2 for this such and such for, you know, your normal life? I just don't know. If, if you were to say that in the natural, you know, I just don't know if they'd really want, you know, me to be, have a, however, however much for my, my apartment payment or my car payment. I just, I don't know if, God, really, that's, he loves me enough. Or, you know, somebody, you could put it in the natural. Let's say somebody left you a million dollars. They have a million dollars. You have it in your account. And your question, I just don't know if they would really want me to be able to make, pay these, these hundreds of dollars for my apartment. I don't know. If you were to tell somebody that and tell them, well, you know, I know they, let, they, they already gave me this, this million, million dollars. But I don't know if they really would want me to have the, my apartment paid for if you were, you were to say, and so they gave you a million dollars, and you're not sure about a few hundred? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, let me go through this again. You're saying this person, and let's say it's you know, somebody who wasn't even a relative, gave you a million dollars, and now you're not sure that, but would they really want me to be able to pay my bill? Is this a trick question? Because it wouldn't make any sense to people, would it? But this is where we can fall into as a Christian. Oh, I know Jesus bought, I know I'm saved, yeah. But there's, there can be this gnawing. I don't know if he, you know, we talk about abundant life and that he likes me. I don't know if he really wants this for me. We don't understand what he already did. We don't understand how big it is. It can become religion to us. It can just become, oh, Jesus died for our sins, and oh, yeah, but I have this problem, and I don't know where's God. That's like asking, I, you know, I have all this money given to me, but I just don't know about this little thing. God is our, if he, he had proved how much he loved us through that, through Jesus shedding his blood, that's the major deal. Now, everything else, when he said he's come to give us an abundant life, 
that should be like, oh, well, yeah, that follows. Of course, God loves me. He wants me to have this and he loves me and, and, and has good things for me. Not this questioning. But see, the sa Satan is subtle and he tries to undermine, tries to separate us from God. If we'll understand what God did through Jesus, that can start to change even more so than it has. We can renew our mind more and more to where we just understand God is fully for me. He's fully on my side. He has fully made a way. My job is just to access that and, and believe it. Because the heavy lifting, putting it there, has already been done. Again, to use the monetary example, you could believe somebody gave you a million dollars in an account, but if it's not there, you know, this is, people do this, you know, phishing scams and stuff. Phishing with the P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. You know, you get these emails that, hey, you've got so-and-so, you have this much money, and if you click on this link, you can have access, and if you just give us our account, then we can wire you this money and stuff. We laugh, but people fall for this, and when you give them your account, they actually take the money. So you could believe it's true, but it's not true, and you could actually lose something for it. Believing the wrong thing doesn't do anything for you. So believing is how we have access into what Jesus did for us, but if he didn't actually do it, if the pet price wasn't paid, all bets are off. It doesn't matter. So knowing what he actually did and the fact that it is, that's the heavy lifting that was done to make it possible for you and I to believe anything. We have access and we're justified by faith, but justified only because there's, there's a way to be justified, and that's because he shed his blood. Verse 3 again, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There's one way. There's one mediator. Thank God that we know Him. Because there's no other way. See, this is what people may be sincere in their beliefs. But if they're believing... Again, <coughs> something, another way to God, they may be sincerely believing that, ah, oh, God will just take care of it. He knows, you know, he knows people, and, and, and he, he knows that, uh, you know, I'm being sincere in my beliefs. I just believe it'll all work out, and, and he'll accept everybody that's sincere, whether it's Jesus or you name another. It's okay. They may believe that, but that's the same as believing the email and it's not, there's nothing there. You may believe that. That doesn't put the money in the bank. And people are going to find out, sometimes too late, uh, you know, because people, uh, it's, it's all right. I just don't believe that. I think that's too narrow. Uh, you know, you don't have to just believe Jesus. I believe God. He's a God of love. And he'll just accept whoever is reaching out. God, they may call God by different names, but it's okay. That's not what the Bible says. And that's believing falsely. And there, it's, there's nothing there. It's a mirage. So the people are sincere believing. But Jesus is the only way. He's the only mediator. And after we have access, 
because we have access, now he's the only way to a true abundant life. There may be things that look like it, counterfeit, but they, they will always have holes in them. Jesus is the only way to a true abundant life in every area. So there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He gave himself a ransom for all. You realize he gave himself for everybody, whether they know him or not. The price has been paid. Thank God we know him. I believe everybody here this morning, you know him. And so we can start tapping in to what has already been paid. This should make us happy. Like, wait a minute. The, the price has really been paid. I've been wondering if he wants me to have these little things. He paid for everybody. He's so thankful that we believed in him. Imagine you paid a high price for a bunch of people to partake of something and everybody leaves it. Imagine you bought food or made food for a big group of people and nobody touches it. Does that make you happy? No. It does not make you happy. Well, look at God. God sent Jesus to die for everyone. And imagine his heart. People are going to reject it and be like, nah, nah, it's okay. Oh, we'll find a different way. No, he is the way, and he is the way for us to walk in the life that he has provided. Ephesians 2, or Ephesians 5, verse 2. Ephesians 5, verse 2. It says, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Christ loved us and has given himself for us. He did it. He loved us and he gave himself. He loved us and he gave himself. Oh, I just don't know if God loves me. The Bible said, and we're reading multiple scriptures, he gave himself for us. There is no higher price. So the more we really let that sink in and say, well, you said it, I'm going to believe it, now our feelings will start following. But if we say, well, I just, I don't know, I don't feel like it, I don't know if God loves me, I don't know if He wants this for me, we will let our feelings get in the way, which, in the way of what has already been provided. It's been provided. 1 John 4, verse 8. 1 John 4, verse 8. It says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we loved God. See, it's not that we're just doing so much for Him, and so when we do so much for Him, now we tap into the abundant life. No, 
part of, of being part of the kingdom is he loved us so much that he gave. Verse 10, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now that word propitiation, I, I have never used that word in normal English, <laughs> ever. I don't know, maybe you have. You've, I mean, if you're not talking about Jesus, I don't know. It's not a normal word for us, but this is, uh, look at it in the Amplified. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He sent Jesus to be the payment for our sins. And what did He say before that? This, this, is, how, this is what love is. In this is love, not that we love God, not that we're just doing everything. Yes, we want to honor Him. Yes, that's another sermon. But yes, we want to do what we know to do, but that's not what grants you access as part of the family. Here's a, here's a note. You have to keep separate what are yours, what things are yours as part of the rights of being in the family, and what are the blessings of you following His plan for you. There are rights, in other words, you have rights and privileges because you're in the family and He's already paid for it. Yes, there are rewards for following him, but those are two separate things. And if you get them mixed up and you start thinking the things that are yours as part of the family, you can only get if you, if you do certain things and are, are, uh, as part, are there, that they become the rewards for being obedient. You're going to be messed up in your thinking. You're going to start thinking you have to work to get the basic things of, of, uh, that are part of being part of the family. In other words... Your, your forgiveness of sin and your being right with God is not based on what you do. Your healing is not based on you doing something to earn it. If you start thinking, I'm not healed because I haven't done such and such, now there is, we need to make sure we're doing what God would have us to do. But in other words, you're not earning it. You're not getting so many check marks to where you reach a threshold to where now it releases something. We want to live good lives, we want to live holy lives, but we need to focus on the fact that God, through Jesus, provided certain things through us, and that because of His atoning sacrifice, these things are available. Because we're in the family. We need to believe that. We need to act on it. Look at Romans 5.17. Romans 5.17. Now, hold that. Let's, let's look at the... I didn't finish up what we were um, talking about on 4.10. So it says, is, in this is love... We'll go to Romans next. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this is love. is saying... That God loved us and sent His Son to atone, to be the atoning sacrifice, we've read in other areas, to give His life, to shed His blood, to be the, the redemption, the, um, the ransom for us. That is what God did, showing and proving His love. 
So if ever there's a thought, I just don't know if God loves me, we combat that by this. It's already settled. God already proved He loved us. Now we may not feel like it on a certain day. We may not feel like some of these things we've talked about, this overflowing abundant life is for us, but it's just simply not true. Our feelings can be wrong. Just because we wake up and we feel like, I just don't know if anybody likes me, I don't know if they love me, I don't know if I want to go anywhere today. How many of you know those feelings can be dead wrong because when you went to bed the night before, you thought everything was great? Or you woke up and you think everything's great, and by the time you go to, you're going to bed, you feel like the world's falling apart. Then you, sometimes you just need to go to bed. <laughs> because the longer you stay up and talk about it, the worse it gets. I remember when our kids were little, sometimes, you know, you, you, got, a, you got a young toddler. They reach a certain point where they're tired. That's it. And they just, everything is, uh, just, you try to console them, that's not going to happen. It's just, uh, and you just, okay, you just need to go to sleep. You need to go to sleep. Now. Because it's, it, it's just going to spiral up. The longer you're up, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. It's going to look worse. And then they wake up and uh, they're just smiling. Everything's great. Well, did the world change? The world didn't change. They just didn't feel like the world was good. Now, they could maybe articulate it, but like it or not, we're a lot the same sometimes. That we just, we don't feel like it's good when, you know, yesterday it was fine. Now, something could have changed, but the, the, the good core things are actually still good. Well, just because we feel someday like, well, I just don't know, if, I don't know if God really loves me. I don't know if he really has that for me, really that good. So, that's a feeling. If we just remind ourselves, sometimes we just need to go to bed. Sometimes we just need to look at the right thing. Look, no, God said this. He said that he loved me and he paid this price. There is nothing that he's going to withhold from me. Says that in another place. And let that be it. The more we'll act on that, the more than the feelings will change to follow what we believe. Instead, of, if we sit there and we wait till we feel like it before we're going to believe God loves us, we could be sitting there the rest of our life, in worst case. And some people are. They've stopped and they don't feel like somehow God failed them, God didn't do something, and they're stuck. The way to unstuck ourselves, unstick ourselves, is to say, God said this, I'm going to believe this and act like it's true. See, that's faith. But what we have to believe is that God already did that part of putting it in place. He did not change because we felt something. Thank God he doesn't change because we feel something. Oh, my goodness. If we woke up and we don't feel like he's serious, like, well, they don't feel, they don't, they're not knowing I'm here anyway. I'm just going to go back to sleep. Wouldn't that be horrible? Thank God he is just steady. And the whole world, all these billions of people can go up, down, and all over the place, and God doesn't move one iota. He's just there. He's a rock. He doesn't move. He doesn't change. People can yell. People can shout. People can cry. And he is just steady. So do we need to try to get him to move? To what we're feeling, or we just say, well, you know, maybe my feelings are wrong. He already said this, I'm going to believe him. You know, that's when we start experiencing the right thing. Praise God. Let's go over to Romans and we'll close up. Romans 5, verse 17. 
Romans 5, verse 17. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, talking about Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, what has already been provided through Jesus, they'll reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. In the Amplified Classic, verse 17 says this, For if, what, if because of one man's trespass, lapse, or offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. I want you to see that last part. Those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness will reign as kings in life through the man, Jesus Christ. It's through him, but what's he saying? You'll reign in life. Does that sound like an abundant life? Do kings reign, just barely get by? No. So it's through him, but the idea is it is abundant. It is there. Through him and through his sacrifice, through his life, through his blood, that's how we will reign as kings. That's how that abundant life, we, we tap into it. And he does not change. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He does not change.